Hello dear friends and welcome once again to The Natural High, which is of course a podcast dedicated to the pursuit of happiness in all its glorious forms. This week I come to you from Monterey in California. I'm out on a walkies with my champion, the little Yorkshire terrorist Riff Raff. Um, we're having a delightful time. It's a little bit windy, so I'm not going to waffle on too much this week about my guest, Michelle Austin, who is a lifelong musician, a dear friend of mine. Met him in 2012, I believe, on Highgate Woods. He was doing some breathing exercises at the time. Uh, he is a kind and gentle man. Uh, he, but, but What I love about him probably the most is that he is so disarmingly honest. Um, that can have outrageous consequences, but most of the time it's pretty inspiring. I love his authenticity and his take on the world and his music which you're going to hear some of and you are hearing right now in fact he's a very talented man he sort of defies description so i'm going to let him take center stage and do the talking if you want to find out more about michelle austin then go to rollingstoned.com that's r-o-l-l-i-n-s-t-o-n-e-d.com uh, as ever I hope you enjoy the show. If you like what you're hearing, then please feel free to leave a review on whichever platform you're listening. Cheers. <sighs> a natural high. How I feel about all this stuff is how I felt in biology and in physics class, in maths class at school. I just nagging feeling. I just don't get all this. And right now, I'm just completely confused. I've got password for gmail.com. Email ID is now triple fuck 61. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> then I've got sick of this. I don't know. You know what I mean? But I do find all this very frustrating. I, you know, if I had a son or a daughter, that's what they'd be helping me with, I suppose. But I'm like, you know, anyway, I struggle with it. This is, I've been uh, looking forward to doing this and I've, we've really bent over backwards to be ready. So sorry if I was annoying you before the thing, but I suddenly thought, shit, I should have really sent a message last night really you know and all that so i'm just uh, pleased that you know and i've got to be honest i looked at all the questions last time but i haven't really looked at them again apart from one of them i remember i remember vaguely but you know you guide me through this because i don't really know you know <laughs> exactly. tell me how you and also why is this such a good time for you because isn't this nine in the morning yeah so where's i thought wouldn't you be looking after your kid and being with d now Dee's looking after Ziggy because it's the weekend because she works really hard during the week. So, yeah, so she gives me a little bit of time every now and again oh. on a Saturday morning. Just have a little a little chin wag with a, a legend <laughs> like yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's so funny. Because, it's so funny because you talk about um, technology. And do you remember a time before? Like, Because basically I was on the cusp of the digital um, revolution. So I sort of saw the changes happen. So I'm sort of quite... IT literate, I'd say, probably not compared, to, you know, definitely not compared to like oh, uh, programmers or anything like that these days. But I know my way around. But it seems yeah, to me yeah. like it seems to me like it just sort of it, it's it's an annoyance to you. Like you spent a lot yeah. of your life before the digital age. Do you remember? Yes. It? Did things make more sense then? Absolutely, I rail against it all the time. I, I've even <laughs> railed against it today. I'm I'm sick to death of like you know. You know, I don't know who's going to listen to this. So I better watch what I say. But, you know, it's like even today, my friend, uh, you know, I just don't I don't like being in a room where people are just looking at their phones all the time. And I've got a friend who's got a habit where if he can't if he can't look at his phone, he'll pick up a magazine and he'll pick up, you know, and it's an inability to be in, in the moment, which I struggle with anyway. But I just I find it really annoying. And like when I'm with my nephew and niece, 
and they, they, you know, one screen's not enough. They've got to have, an, you know, at least two screens going. And I just find, I do, I find it, I find it extremely annoying. And I do think it's not good. But you know, I, I'm illiterate with it. But you know, and I, don't get me wrong, I do spend quite a lot of time listening. You know, it's weird what I listen to, but on YouTube, and I'm still, I still look at it on my phone. You know, I don't really look at my computer. I hardly ever turn this on, apart from to listen to music. That's the only time I turn my computer on. You know, really. So I have a little bit. I'm a little bit allergic to. All that naturally but like I said even when all this didn't exist when I was in biology class or maths class at school I still felt like hold on a minute there's something here that I'm behind with I don't you know I'm like a bit you know mentally I can't quite grasp this or whatever but anyway yeah I mean, none so, of us are perfect, I mean, I... are we? Like, none of us can be perfect at everything. You've got your strengths and weaknesses like everybody else. And obviously, IT is something that you just don't have any sort of, you don't have a lot of sort of natural intuition for it. No, not at all. And it's you don't enjoy it. And I, no, I don't. And I don't, you know, I bought all this stuff. I bought a computer over there that, you know, I bought it and I, it's just sitting there. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting stressed about it because, you know, because I used to go like every month at least once I did that free uh apple thing where you went into the apple shop and you you paid a certain amount every year it was a very good deal and you had private lessons one-to-one i think it was called one-to-one so i did do all that i learned how to edit film i learned how to you know because i used to edit on film but i learned how to do it on a computer uh and now i've forgotten and uh to do music and now i've forgotten you know and now i've got logic am i allowed to swear on this thing or not absolutely I, I, I nearly got you, into a fight the you. other day. I had, I, had a, I had a problem because I'm not used to being around kids, you know, and this happens a little bit with my brother. <laughs> you had a fight with but, a kid. But, no, 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 no. But somebody was really irritating me because I wanted them to move their bloody car and that I'd given them a favour letting them park there. And it's like they were late. And by the time they wandered up all sort of happy-go-lucky with their kid in their arms, I happened to say a swear word. And he's in my face, immediately wants to smack my head in, you know. So I, find, <laughs> I have to be a bit careful where you swear. I don't know, because I'm not around kids. So people around me swear all the time, you know. And if you I... watch YouTube, people are swearing quite a lot. I don't know, maybe not on, I don't know, whatever. So too much swearing, too much technology. Um, I, do you feel that maybe we've gone past the point the perfect point of civilization like not that it's ever been perfect at any stage we've always had issues but there's so many issues now I, I pick up the papers any newspaper any any bit of media and most of it the vast majority is bad stuff that's happening to our planet to us not getting on with each other as people do you think maybe like technology and materialism have sort of pushed us sort of over the edge and that maybe like there was a time before now where things were there was more, more of a sense of equilibrium, maybe the sort of pre-industrial age or something like that. Do you feel like we've gone past the best point? I'm not enjoying it, put it that way, yeah. I find it all very depressing, like you're saying, and it's like overwhelming, isn't it? And I think even, even people who grow up with it, there's certain elements to it that they're beginning to realise are not healthy, and it is creating a a mentality and a lack of folk. I don't know. I don't know. I sound like an old man railing against everything, but I, you know, I just think it's wrong. I think it's wrong to be staring at screens all the time and everybody, you know, I just, I don't, to be, it's it going to be, feels, it's going to change the world as well. It's going to be an issue. Well, we, 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 it's already changed the world. People, people, you know, they make up their minds before they even open. I mean, nobody reads the bloody papers anymore anyway, do they? They get it all off, you know, whatever else. They're getting it off. I mean, like for example, like here you you phone me on WhatsApp. I mean, what's the difference between WhatsApp and a text message and all these like, and Telegram and uh, uh, uh. and it's like I just don't. It's, I find it all so tedious, you know. Yeah, anyway, um, there, sorry, there is. Sorry, there I'm is. very negative. <laughs> I'm a very is, negative person. 
Well, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're, I don't know about that. You're a very lovely person. Oh, I am, I am. But I've realised this, and I'm trying to work on it, and I'm happy to discuss various tactics that I'm using for that. I'm quite happy at the moment. Recently, we've had a few issues where I've had high stress, and I've had to deal with, like, I've had the COVID thing, and yes, uh, that's an issue. other things uh, you want to talk about. I don't know if you've got a pen and paper there, but I haven't got anything here, so I'm just going with your flow, you know. Absolutely, but, my it, friend. And it's, it's very interesting. It's, Everything you're saying is so interesting, and I keep wanting to ask questions about well, what you're talking about, but then you move on to well, the next subject. Then, but I'm, you know, as usual, I'm allowed. I'm, a, I, I'm still, you know, I'm still smoking a lot, and I'm still. To be honest, we did a gig last night, and uh, blah blah blah. So I'm struggling with various different issues, but I think I've found a lot of things that I'm comfortable with. It's just learning how to deal with your reaction to things is what I've realised. And I, you know, if I could give you one quote, which is one of the songs that, uh, you know, because a lot of the songs that we've been doing in that band, which means quite a lot to me, because when I met you. I was struggling with my soon-to-be-divorced wife. You know mm. what I mean, and mm. a lot, a lot has influenced me with all that stuff since. So, like, and uh, you know, you start looking at yourself and looking at your life, and at the age of sixty, I'm sixty now. You know, so, um, you know, so here's the thing: what, I always try and get quotes, and then can't remember what the bloody things are. This, like, when you're learning lyrics, if you start at the beginning of the song, you get to the end. But if you want to hit verse two, and uh, like, just you know what I mean, have trouble. But you're gonna drown tomorrow if you cry too many tears for yesterday. So, you know, if you spend too much fucking time not in the present, too much time, you see what I mean? So I'm trying to do that. And you've probably heard of Eckhart Tolle. You've probably heard of lots of people, you know, lots of things. You know, I'm terrible. I buy all these books. I read the first chapter. Oh, I must read that one. And then I buy another book, you know. And these aren't the sort of books you want to curl up with, you know. They're kind of like trying to learn (laughs) something, books, and trying to remember something. So I'm out with my highlighter pen thinking, oh, I must remember this one, you know, whatever. So I'm, you know, at the age of 60, I'm really where I feel like, you know, I should have understood things that I'm understanding now at the age of, you know, and then it starts making you question your parents, thinking, well, why didn't they, you know, I, I think about things with my parents, like one quote from my dad is, you know, when you're in the shower in the morning, do your ablutions. What else is there? You know, like, you know, when you come to a roundabout, don't go down through the gears because it wears out, blah, 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 and this is cheaper than that. But if I was a father like you are, you know, and I look at like my brother who is a father, you know, I think I would be the most annoying dad because I just would not get with this world. It'd be like I'd be living in a house that equivalent of the 70s or 60s when I was growing up. It'd be like I'd be the house that didn't have a colour telly. In fact, we didn't have a telly at all, quite frankly, and it was like you know what i mean it's like how much how much is good all this fucking total options of anything you want any time all day long blah, 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 blah. you know there was absolutely nothing on telly or when when we used to go on journeys i'd be just looking out the window you know so it seems inane to people now but it's like you know so i'd rather sit in a room with with somebody who's just staring around than looking at their phone. I'd rather be in silence staring at each other than than thinking, could you, what are you looking at? What, what is it? You know, and even today, Jim, who's this guy that I've, so he's fucked up recently. He lost my house keys, which cost a lot of money. And I, so I feel like I've got a bit of authority to be a bit bossy about it because it's like all very well, you know, hey, hit the Jack Daniels, hit the this, that, and the other. But, you know, can you keep your brain together so we don't have trouble like this? So, and, and he's one of these people who's like, always, oh, he's got to be reading something. You can't just be present, you know. So I'm trying to teach him a little bit. So, you know, know whatever i'll shut up you ask questions you know <laughs> this is all i'm this is beautiful all i want to do is hear you talk that's why i got in touch with you in the first place so it's wonderful but i was getting so much well, stuff. i'd like to ask about you know but am i allowed to ask about you you know or not <laughs> I mean, there, I... there is no structure whatsoever to this conversation 
Because the one thing that I remember of your list, I mean, if I thought about it a lot, I'd probably think about, uh, think about, you know, I'd probably come up with them. But the one thing, and I, I can remember thinking at the time, and I said to my girlfriend at the time, because I, I, you know, I've got this lovely girlfriend now. We still have issues, you know. And uh, this is all relevant to the same sort of theme, if you like. There's a bit of a theme in my life and with the music uh, and generally. And I've got, remember, remind me, I'm very scatty. So remind me to come back to Philip Salon. Do you know Philip Salon? No. No, he was a big, he, did, he was like, you know, London's uh, Studio 54, man. Right. He did the Taboo Club, the Mud Club, Blitz Club. He was, a, gotcha. you know, mate of Boy George. He was mate of that bloke who was that artist, what I've his name now, but with a splodge on his head or whatever. So we went out with him the other night. So I must tell you about that because that was quite entertaining. But anyway, going back to what okay. I was saying, the one thing I remember of the questions was uh, who, who, something, who inspires you or who, who whatever. And I was going to say you. <laughs> because my partner, no, seriously, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about this, but it's been a bit of a thing, and I talk about you quite a lot. Because to me, and I don't tell me if this is the wrong way to take the direction of the talk, but to me, you're quite a figure because a lot of the a lot of the songs that I've learned since the divorce of my wife, it, it's it's like you know, it really depressed me. You know, I, I thought nobody would ever want me again. You know, the, the impact of it didn't hit me till it really hit me and when it hit me it kind of knocked me sideways and I really didn't see it coming you know and it's been like that gradually over the over the time you know and I've got used to things you know and it still profoundly upsets me that she's not in my life in some way you know that it's like a block you know and it's like because you know I'm pretty much all my previous girlfriends I'm friends with you know and this is somebody that I've been all this time together you know so I don't understand all that but so when I met you uh, you know, and you had your like perfect dream, you know, of going off being a hippie and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, great. You know, and you, you, I've always seen you as like a very sort of. Um, so basically, I'm going to say you. And the reason for that is because I just think you are one of the most nicest people that I've ever met. And you are also one of the best looking people I've ever met. You've got the most adorable dog I've ever met. So no, no, seriously. So so your tale, it, I'm slightly crying now, telling the tale again. And I, I use you as an example that there is such a thing as love. There is such a thing as proper love. And I use you as an example, but I don't really I, I you know what I mean? I think you you don't you you what you have what you have put up with and gone through to get to what you want. I use that as an example because you could have gone down so many different alleys that I would have gone down without even thinking about it twice, you know. And I, when I heard your story, I kept thinking, you know, Ollie, come on, man, this is crazy, you know, crazy. And there's a dog involved here as well, you know. It's like, man, you know. So to hear that it's all worked out and partly through a song blows my mind. So I was going to use you. So that's one of your questions answered anyway. So I'd love to hear you telling me what's happened a little bit, but, you know. I will definitely fill you in on that. Mate, uh, it's one of the nicest things anybody has ever said to me. I mean that authentically. Well, I mean, I mean absolutely. And I wish you lived here because you would be one of my absolute best friends and we would be doing music together. And I'm pleased to say that song, Looking in the Mirror, well, I'm, I can't play it to you yet, but I've got all the lyrics, you know, and one of the lyrics is right, in a day's most days these days, you know, uh, is the start of one of the verses. And that's how, you know, it's like everyone's in their fucking days about their phone. It's me loving you and you loving your phone. You're spending too much time looking in the mirror. You're spending too much time staring at your phone. Whatever it is you see and everything it makes you believe, it don't look so sweet to me. Spending too much time looking in the mirror. Spending too much time looking in the mirror. What do you see when you're looking in the mirror? Well, you won't see me 
looking in the mirror Everything you say, you say Cause you don't know better Everything you do, you do Cause you don't know better Whatever it is you see It all looks so sweet to me Spending so much time Looking in the mirror Been spending so much time Looking in the mirror So I can't wait to actually play you that thing. And it's nothing like all the other stuff we've been doing because we've been going towards reggae and stuff. This is like a pure pop song, you know. So I'm fascinated by music. I've met a cello guy recently who's like, he's so busy. He's been a whole week with Abbey Road uh, with an orchestra. He's, and now he's busy doing another film project. He's a busy man. He's a neighbor and he's a friend of a guy who's 60th birthday. We just played at the other day with the country thing. And he wanted to play with us. And the sound of this cello just blew. I couldn't go to sleep that night. I was so excited. <laughs> you know. Seriously. So I'm just really into the music and I'm just into writing songs. So the, so my theme, and you, you're, you're kind of like the glowing example of the opposite of that theme. My theme is like, you know, they ain't a girl in a million that won't break your heart, you know. So you're, you're, you, you've proved something that, that as a man, you're a shining example of like, the perfect man if only the world knew <laughs> no you are you are you know and it's taken a lot of it, you, i don't know how you fucking did it i really don't you know that's boy you know so you know so i'm probably embarrassing you now so i'll shut up move on ask me if <laughs> that is absolutely mate that's that's precisely why i got you on for a chat because i knew that you'd say something lovely about me <laughs> yeah. inflate my ego you said so much there and it's fascinating. I could just listen to you talking nonstop because I just find it's so interesting, your take on life. And your well, life. I rattle on. My, my girlfriend said, don't ramble on too much. <laughs> <laughs> but listen to me. So basically, you see, you know, you said my life's a shining example of, you know, of, of like happiness or, you know, whatever. Like how well, pursuing a dream and achieving it and partly due to just persistence. And sticking to your, I mean, you know, but let's you, not go into details, but, but fucking hell, you know. But, but it seems to me that you feel, like, you are, for, for me, you're like, all the time I've known you, you've been such a gentle, lovely person, like one of the nicest people that I know in London. But you also seem, like, dissatisfied, I would say. Like, you know, yes. a bit downbeat about life in general. And, I, like, you know, I look Absolutely. at... I look at things, I, I look at, you know, your life, and I think that, um, obviously, you know, not completely satisfying your life, but... I, I'd, I lived in London for probably about 20 years, and I think that your house is probably the nicest one I've ever been to. You've got the most amazing... I'll have to take the, you around. The coolest, I'll take you around. The, the coolest, absolutely, but it, it's, a, it's a podcast, so you're not going to... People aren't going to see the video, oh, yeah. but... but it's, it's, a lot it's, of changes has happened on the same theme. You know, once she's moved out, I suddenly realised, hey, this is what I'm left with. We had to sell a house, and I'm, so I'm left with this. I literally made, had an architect here yesterday, so I'm seeing what I'm left with, what I can wow. do. But, but yeah, we, I've built a studio, I've built a mezzanine, I've built a, a larder, you know, so I'm on it. I know I'm very happy here. A beautiful, I, where, a beautiful warehouse in North London, which has been renovated yeah. lovingly by yourself and in, well, an amazing part, in an amazing part of North London. And 
you have managed, as so many people haven't managed to do, including myself, um, to make a life in music and continue and persist in music. You're still doing it at the age of 60. I fell by the wayside many years ago. And so for me, like so many, so many people who wanted to do music in their life didn't manage to make a life of it. But you do you have a covers band, very successful covers band, and you do music every day of your life that's your main focus so it seems to Quite. me that you have lots of lots of the things you know lots of amazing things in your life so i wonder why what it is that you're looking for to make you feel more satisfied is it is it more musical recognition well everything would be nice lots of things would be nice but i mean it's just getting to terms with um you know the balance it's like trying to get a balance because you, you talk about the covers band the covers band has changed a lot recently in, in a good way and i i see music as like that 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 is like you know the, like when i was like studying for my o levels you know i used to spend a lot of time just staring at pictures of the rolling stones you know mm. and i had this dream of like just like what a life these guys live you know what so basically what i'm saying is like the tribute band scene for me was just an excuse to kind of like, oh, I could be Brian Jones, you know, I could do that. And, and it's a persona and it's a persona that I've done for so long that it's a bit weird for me to actually do gigs when I'm actually being somebody like close to me. Yeah. Um, so that's a bit strange. And I've learned to analyze certain things and certain issues about, you know, the years and years and years of doing that it's, it's tiring work and it? it's tiring so your love of music depending how the people in the band are all uh you know getting on with each other and dealing with like the basic slog like you know on our level we don't have you know roadies looking after this and wonderful hotel suites to go back to and all this stuff it's hard work you know quite knackering um so it kind of wore me out after a while because setting up the band wore me out but now i'm at a stage where i'm enjoying that we've got a lovely new bass player who doesn't deafen the fuck out of me um <laughs> no seriously and and um no because i'm going deaf you know we went out to these things with philip salon that i was telling you about the other day you know two art exhibitions and he's whizzing us along you know he's dressed like a great you know he dresses to impress you know mm. but you know it's quite a scene to be around him and um I could hardly hear what people are saying, you know, because I'm going a bit deaf with, you know, drums and amps and stuff. So, you know, I would just like to do, I, I'm more into intimate stuff now to play gigs where you can be a bit more intimate. And that's what I'd love to do. But, you know, it's early stages and you don't really make a lot of money out of that. So, yeah, the bread and butter of things now is more that side of things. And, you know, recording, I don't know, everyone just gives away their, I don't really understand the world. Here we go again. It's like, whoa, you know you know, what you do with music, music. And funny enough, Philip Salon, this man that I was telling you about, who's a fascinating man. I, I talked to him because I love animals. Like, you know, I love Riff Raff Your Dog. So the first art thing that he took us to, which is by the way, Damien Hurst. And, and Damien Hurst, I've got here got a poster signed by Damien Hurst that apparently is worth 400 pounds and it's a bit rich, but that's good, isn't it? Nice. Anyways, that, that great party, there was a beautiful lap dog. You know, I like little dogs like your dog. I love them, little ones. <laughs> I love all dogs, but I love, you know. And there was this dog and I, I said to Philip, look, look into its eyes, you know, Philip. And Philip's just not interested in animals. You know, and some people are not interested in animals at all. Mm. And, you know, he likes humans. But he's so interested in humans, it seems, that he doesn't even like music. It's just a backdrop so he can talk like he was supposed to go to the opera last night and he's dreading it because he's got to shut up and concentrate for like you know <laughs> however long that goes on you know he just wants to go to the party and natter 
you know. So <laughs> I don't. So it's funny, you know. I don't know. So so that brings us onto the point about animals and about what disturbs me about life and depression. And I'm like, uh, you know, when I became vegetarian, uh, I thought the whole world would be, uh, you know, five years later, and here we are, whatever, forty years later, and it's like. Mm, ain't happening and further depression comes out of the fact that yes suddenly they've woken up to maybe veganism should be a good thing but let's feed you loads of things like i just watched a thing last night about this impossible burger that i was even thinking of trying one day and it's like these guys are telling me don't eat that because that's poison you know gmo this that and the other so i don't know it seems like everybody's out to just get your money and if you've got a lot of money you're okay if you ain't got enough money you're going to struggle so yes i'm okay but i'm a i'm somebody who feels quite a lot and i've realized that really if i was in victorian society or something like that i'd have been protected you know what i mean if i'd have been coming from an aristocratic family or something like that they would have been just you know oh don't let michelle go out there you know don't oh don't introduce him to that where are you going now i'm sorry i'm just letting Rav around <laughs> because he's going nuts oh show me riffra <laughs> where's riffra he's there come here more trouble oh. than ever, this guy. He's more trouble. Oh, than... Riff Raff. oh. <laughs> that's amazing, isn't it? How old is he now? He's eight. Wow, oh, that's good. He's my absolute just... champion. Oh, I know, yeah. I'm never getting another one and we, I just lost my cat you know I was after this divorce thing I was left with the the cat that we couldn't you know we tried to give it away but it just came in the window one day and I was always scared of it when my wife was there I never went anywhere near it That's or touched right. it That's right I remember LC remember LC LC yeah. little cat so I, I fell in love with her when I was left alone with her and ended up you know she slept on my bed so she died about 
but she made it so easy for me because that's another thing you know death and so yeah i mean you know the fact that my mum was killed by private health care at the age of night you know uh, in 1991 so she was what in her 60s or early 70s or whatever and i mean you know like you just gone through your, the you know trouble with your parents and you've just lost a parent and isn't it have you still got one or not i have i have yeah. she'll be around she'll be around longer than me she will be around until into a hundred she's <laughs> the healthiest person i've ever met oh well, interesting is she vegetarian no she doesn't eat a lot of oh. meat she's she eats a bit of fish hmm. she drink a lot no, she 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 she'll have a few, but she's got decent willpower. She's so outrageous when she drinks that she, you know it's good that she's got a bit of willpower. Right, yeah. Are you drinking at the moment? Because that's a bit of a thing. And I managed to stop drinking, you know. Yeah, well, you never can... you never much of a drinker, were you? Not much of a drinker, but a regular drinker. You know, I used all through my marriage and all through doing this Stones thing. Part of my way of getting into character, if you like, is to get fairly drunk. Because I used to not drink before I started to do this Stones thing. I used to not really drink. I, you know, I like to smoke. But, um, you know, just an hour before going on stage, I started to get into the habit of having a beer. And it just gives you that sort of, oh, fuck it, I don't really care. You yes. Know? And, and uh, then I started to drink in between them. And, you know, when mum went, I sort of drunk then. So, and I've been drinking steadily ever since. So for the last three years or so, four years, I've been writing on the board every night. Uh, I've got a wall planner here and I write no beer, no beer or NB, NB, NB. Now I don't even write that anymore because it's always no beer. Apart from when I see my girlfriend or when we're gigging. So I still drink. Like last night I had a drink because of that. And then on, you know, but, but my whole diet thing has changed as well. So I've been vegetarian for a long time, but I've been vegan, like trying to be vegan for quite a long time now. And I'm interested in this, you know, because I'm 60 years old. Here, I'll show you something. Here, here. Oh, it's no good, but you can see because it's just see. the show. But here's a picture. Of, that's my 60th birthday card from my brother. Which wow. and in it he says he says and he's a non. You know he doesn't smoke, my brother, but he, and he doesn't drink to excess or anything, but occasionally whatever. He says score is four nil to me for the for the record. Which he's talking four nil in a bad way. He's been to hospital four times. Wow. Quite seriously, so it made me think. Fucking hell, Michelle, you've been drinking, smoking. You know. Uh, so the only thing I'm, I can figure out that I've been doing, which he kind of agrees with, which then brings me back to him and saying, well, why don't you try this then? You know, so basically what I'm saying is he's given me a lot of confidence about the fact that I've been a eating tons of fucking fruit all through. You know, I've been doing this fruit that even before I became vegetarian, I got obsessed by fruit. And when I when I first started eating this fruit thing, uh, I didn't get ill for three years. So I thought I discovered, you know, you know, I'd walk up to ill people rather than running away from them. You know, I was like, you know, so this diet diet has been a big thing. So recently discovering that actually we shouldn't actually eat all day and if you are going to eat fruit don't eat as much as i did and maybe have some nuts with it how oh, you can make your own nut milk so now i've got a very strange diet i have two meals a day and my first meal which i've not had yet that's why i was asking you if you're a bit behind with your time i could have made my nut milk and so basically i get a banana i've got all these nuts in the freezer that are all soaking from the previous day like macadamia pecan, whatever i've got but mainly almonds and walnuts are the best ones apparently this is all through my friend tony who's got me into this thing because he always hated me eating this fruit first thing in the morning so, so now I make this nut milk, which I can't believe it tastes so good, this thing. So you make this nut milk, you put two of these cacao fat bombs in it, right? You blend that up for half a minute. Then in the blender, uh, a separate blender. So that's in the Nutri-Mix, I make my nut milk. And then in the blender, you've got a banana. So not three bananas, one banana, right? And rather than two pears, enough, blah, blah, blah. so I'd have that maybe one banana, if I got it, say uh, a pear and uh, some frozen blueberries, 
and maybe, I don't know, some strawberries. So way less than I used to have. Then you blend that with your nut milk that you've already blended. And boy, does that taste good. You know, delicious. I mean, I can't taste nothing at the moment because of the COVID thing. But I can't believe I make this thing, you know. So rather having that first thing in the morning, I have that as late as I can. So I do this intermittent fasting thing where I, so today I've eaten nothing, you know, and I've been up since 11.15 or something because I knew that I had to do this. So I thought, oh, shit, I better get up. I realised this was happening last night, you know, and I thought, oh, I've got to get up and get stuff done, you know. I anyway, do the, so now I do, I do the same thing. What, the fasting? I do intermittent fasting and I have two meals a day. I have my first meal yeah. at 12. I have a shake with um, hemp protein powder, uh, with oat milk, with almonds, walnuts, carrot, spinach. Um, what, that you make yourself? That you make yourself? Yeah, I just chuck it all into a blender. And um, two raspberries. Yeah, but when you say oat milk, do you make the oat milk? No, 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 no. I just get the oat milk from, from Whole Foods. And yeah, and so I have that at midday. Um, and, and then I just have dinner. At, like, I try and have dinner as early as possible. So by five o'clock, ideally, I'm done. So 12 to five is my eating window. And then the rest of the time, I'm, I'm not eating. During the week. During the weekends, I'll let myself go a bit. But I find it yeah, really I mean, good, and I really like that um, when you get. Yeah, into... I love it because you're not hungry all the time. Not hungry all the time. Hungry. I used to be hungry. Like as soon as you start eating, you, you set feed off your hunger. Thing. You feed your yeah. hunger when you eat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so and after, the other I thing, I, like the other learning I've had, the other the other thing I've really noticed is that you get hunger pangs, but they don't last. So if you feel yeah. really, you can feel really weak with hunger, and and like feed that hunger straight away, or you can wait for three minutes, and that pang completely passes. Yeah, but it also depends what you've eaten or what you've drunk the day before as well and how Absolutely. you've managed. You, and like, how late you're, you're, you ate. Yeah, yeah. I always struggle. Like, I fast for way too long. Like Sometimes I don't have my fruit thing till like 10 o'clock at night. Mm. So in theory, my window then is like till three in the morning, but that's no good. You know, so you see what I mean? I struggle with it. And I still eat too much. So what I do eat, like I still now, my, when I start doing this fruit and nut thing, that was like making like a pint and a half. Now I'm like, oh, two and a half pints, you know. So I've got to go back. Everything I like, just because you like something and just because it's good for you, don't overdo it. It doesn't mean it's better for you. You know what I mean? That's something I struggled with all my life with everything. So looking back on my life, going on, you know, things that have happened, it's like, oh, I can see what I did wrong there. I can see, you know what I mean? And I do this thing where I do that Wim Hof thing, you know, which probably you're going to yawn about because everybody's doing it. But Love the I don't do the... I don't do the cold shower thing. I only do the breathing thing. And I'm amazed as a smoker. And I'm also amazed after COVID because I had to stop doing it for a week. But even right now, I can still do it. And I really enjoy doing that because what happens with my mind is it, it helps my mind to just sort of slow down a bit. And I do stretching because I've realized that it's not just diet, isn't it? You've got to move and without gigging for a time. And not gigging isn't exactly, you know, that's not like total exercise. You know, you get a backache and it's, uh, but whatever. So, yeah, I'm just trying to be a bit healthier, happier. So, you know. That can improve your happiness by by degrees, can't it? If you're living in the right yeah. way, I always find yeah. like if I don't do exercise, then I, I start feeling a little bit more down on myself. Like I need to move, yeah. I need to be physically active. If I don't Copies on a common man pass around.
Tell me about, about the COVID, like how did you get it and how bad did it get? Well, both me and my girlfriend got it pretty much the same time and she's been jabbed, she's been double jabbed, um, you know, she'd already been double jabbed when we got it and it was quite a while back and it, it was like a gig basically and I don't know how we found out but I got a phone call from the deck keyboard player saying that he had it and he'd been at the last gig the previous weekend and he'd heard that the, the gig that we'd done on the Friday that week, lots of people had been tested positive so how they found out about that because it all, it's all very mysterious here i mean who knows how do you know like when you left the gig they didn't test everybody did they so but maybe afterwards people got back in touch i don't know so anyway i i felt like i got i was eating my dinner and i just felt like oh i felt really knackered you know and i ended up crashing out on the sofa i couldn't even finish my dinner and woke up the next day feeling like, oh, something's not right. I just thought maybe it's a cold or something. And I, I, you know, I don't like colds. So I think just thinking, oh God, you know, I'm getting a cold. I've got to go to fucking um, home for the next day to do a gig. And I've got to do all these solos because the other guitarist has hurt his hand. So I've got, you know, so I was getting kind of stressed with the whole situation of life, but I thought I can deal with this. I can deal with this. And I still took my bananas and my nuts and stuck to my diet and, and, and I managed to get through, you know. Came back the following morning, I get a phone call, like I said, from the keyboard player saying he's come down with it. My girlfriend's heading over. She's like, oh, yeah, she doesn't feel that great either. And so she did a test when she came in and yeah, bingo, we've both got the two things. Uh, wind forward of a week of just sort of lying around feeling like a bit of a zombie, but still, you know, I took anti-blockage things for my nose mm. and I took which I don't normally take and I uh, got used to doing that. And that was just the norm for about, I don't know, 10 days. And then, and I still managed to do work around here that I had to do or whatever, but, um, and then uh, started to feel a bit better, stopped taking the tablets. And now I just can't smell anything. And I feel like a little bit, I'm not, I've been smoking throughout, you know, I haven't given up smoking or anything. So it couldn't have been that bad. And um, I, I just can't taste or smell. And I slightly, my breathing's a little bit, ooh, I don't know, but I'm, I can still do Wim Hof, you know, I still hold my breath for a minute 45, you know, even though whatever. So I'm okay, you know, and I'm, I'm also phobic about injections. You know, I'm like, you know, I turn into Bruce Lee if there's a, a needle around heading towards me. And I, I went to have my thing because I, you know, I'm not anti-vax or anything. Um, but I ended up crying in the arms of my girlfriend and had to walk out with my tail between my hands. Uh, tail between, I haven't got a tail, you know, but um, it was not good, you know, so I have a lot of trouble. Basically, like I was going back to earlier, if I, you know, in a caring, loving, quite semi-rich, aristocratic Victorian family, I'd have been totally protected, you know, be like, oh, you know, Michelle, he lives in that little bit, or you can, you can go and visit him on a Tuesday, maybe when he's, you know what I mean? I, and then I could deal with the world, but having to deal with the world and the way they treat animals, the way they treat humans, the way they treat each other, you know, everything's just horrible. And I, did, I thought, in, in a Victorian family thing, in Victorian times, things would probably be even worse, right? In terms of the way animals and people were treated. Well, I did. Oh, yes, all that. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying about my character. I'm like somebody who's like, been, I've not, I did not like going back to this lessons that you might have learned from your parents. Like, you know, I had a very unbalanced way of looking at the world and I had a very encouraging, loving mother who just, you know, said the world was wonderful. And I had a very sort of silent, sullen sort of dad, whatever. It was nice. You know, I've, I've, I wrote in my diary because while I do Wim Hof, I write things down that are kind of realisations. And I'm trying to, you know, my natural reaction to everything, you know, even singing, you know, everything is like I go gung ho a bit sort of, you know, too much energy expended. You don't need that much energy expended in that 
you know area you know so just to try and relax and i've started while doing that i've sort of thought about dad and you know he didn't i mean he did beat me occasionally um which obviously but that was the era you know whatever and he didn't you know never abused me you know apart from he was just very silent and a bit sort of you know whatever but he did you know when i got on telly he went and bought a video recorder for the first time you know so he, he was you know and i heard from other people that he you know but obviously when we lost mum he went downhill and everything and it was a tricky time but i've lost my train of thought now but going back to 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 you know Victorian times, yeah, I was talking specifically about because we'd been listening to things and, uh, you know, like, for example, if you had, if you had a, a, a weird baby in Victorian times that didn't speak properly or whatever, it was like hidden away, you know, hidden away because they were embarrassed about it, but they didn't kill it. They didn't sort of, you know, they looked after it. But So I'm not saying I'm a deformed, but a mentally deformed, possibly they might have thought, oh, Michelle, you know, he, he lives with the fairies. You know, I thought I would, if you asked me up to the age of about 15 what, what I thought I was going to be, I would have said a wizard, you know, and wizard <laughs> kind of changed theme as it. No, seriously, I thought, you know, uh, and I actually thought I could be a wizard. I was completely, you know, no, nobody had told me that, you know, life is like, you know what I mean? I mean, I did discover earlier on when I was at Montessori school, that, you know, Father Christmas doesn't exist, but you can't tell anybody that because they all think he exists. So you better shut up, you know. So I learned that lesson earlier on, but further lessons escaped me, you know. It's like, you know, you know, <laughs> here's a funny story. I don't know if I told you this, but, you know, when I was at school, we used to sleep, you know, I'm talking like really small, you know, so we'd have sleepovers like probably Ziggy will do. So watch out for this maybe. Um, but one night I was over, I can't even remember his name now, and uh he was um, sleeping in the top bunk and I was in the bottom bunk. And he said to me, would you like to sniff bottoms? And I was like, what? You know, and uh, I was like, mm, I don't know about that. But it put it in my mind, you know, and I thought, <laughs> hello. Uh, and for some reason, I don't know why, but I managed to get lots of girls to sniff bottoms. Like well, that's something we used to do. So that's a very early sexual, yeah. you know, and I don't know where he learned it from. He must have seen his mum and dad doing, you know, sexy things and thought, oh, well, that's what they do. They're sniffing bottoms, you know. So I used to get into quite a lot of trouble, you know, like I remember at school one time I said, I knew a girl was coming over the, for the weekend and I said, oh, yeah, we can do a bit of sniffing bottoms, you know, behind the sofa. <laughs> and she, she out loud, she shouted, sniffing bottoms, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm talking about that, you know. And an early vegetarian thing that's just come to mind as well from when I was a kid, you know, I used to hate meat, chewing meat and fat and grizzly bit. So I used to throw it behind the sofa and I got into big trouble for that one time, you know, because I found all this rotting meat behind the sofa. So a lot of action went on behind the sofa, you know, sniffing bottoms and rotting meat, you know, and we used to play and I always wanted to be a girl. Like I remember one time when I was with Lucy, I had two friends, Lucy, two like early you know, not girlfriends in the true sense, like we're five years old or whatever. There's far away Lucy and upstairs Lucy. Anyway, me and upstairs Lucy are naked on the fur rug in front of the telly playing naked Thunderbirds or what we were doing. And I went to the toilet and I overheard Marjorie, her mum saying, Lucy, what are you doing? What would Michelle think? You know, because she, she found Lucy writhing on the, the, the furry carpet and I was in the toilet, put my clothes back on, you know, to go to the toilet. And I, I was like, oh, absent, you know, I wasn't here. I don't know what's come over her, you know. I knew it was naughty, you know, it wasn't, you know, I knew it was naughty, but I thought everybody was in on the act, you know. It's like if you said sniffing bottoms, everybody would go, yeah, thumbs up, you know. But early on, I knew that um, I didn't want to do it with the boy. Right, yeah, you, know? you had to so do it. But, um... he came he came down and showed me what it was about and I immediately made the bang. I, I didn't, I was not, you know, I didn't want to do it with him, but I got the idea and then I progressed to suggesting it to girls such as Upstairs Lucy and Far Away Lucy, you know. <laughs> the Lucy's. 
absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely amazing stuff. Okay, but we, earlier on, earlier on, we were talking about. I'm so sorry about your COVID because it sounds like awful. But I would imagine. No, no, like, listen, if that's all it is. It's fine. You know, I don't yeah. want to give you the wrong impression. And that, you know, if that's COVID. I'm, you know, that's it. And obviously, it's different you know, for everybody, everybody. But it must have been there. Must have been some panic after you found out you had it as well. Thinking, God, how bad could this get? That would probably be my my fear. No, well, yeah, I suppose in a strange way, it's funny what things you worry about because I don't generally worry about everything. But I suppose instinctively, it just felt like a bit of a cold, you know. So you, but you, but you have told me, and I really want to get this point out because you've told me we've we've discussed the fact that you're sort of you know notoriously not notoriously, but you're you're downbeat about certain things. Your perception of life, your your outlook can be you know a little bit negative at times, just because you're not you know completely sated. And I don't think any of us are. But do you have a picture in your head of what happiness looks like? Like what if if you know if you if it was an ideal world and you had everything that you wanted, what would what would that look like? Uh, I don't know really. I mean, you could go off saying all you know, buying houses, having tons of money, all the usual things you do. But I'm trying to, I mean, you know, I don't know. If the whole world was how I'd want it, nobody would like it because football would be illegal. You wouldn't be allowed to eat your meat. There'd be no animals being slaughtered anywhere. And, you know, it'd be so radically different. And plus, if you wanted to have a kid, you'd have to get a certificate for it, you know, and it's it would be a different world. It'd be a bit like, a nice version of what the Chinese do. I'd want to control everybody and I'd want to, you know, it's like, oh, you want to play football, do you? How old are you? No, 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 sorry, football's <laughs> off, you know, you can't do, you know, you know. Yeah, I absolutely hate sport and everything it stands for. I hate, I hate most things. I've got a lot of hatred. I hate, I have a lot of music. Yeah, but, don't, yeah. but don't you want to be full of love? I mean, isn't your, in your ideal world, are you not like full of love and happiness and like harmony? Yeah, yeah, I am. People perceive me as being quite, I don't know. I mean, people know that I worry a lot. and uh, But that's what I'm saying about this theme about being protected, because I feel now, you know, I used to feel a lot of protection from my wife, um, although not protection or encouragement. I used to feel some protection with the bad things that I'm crap at dealing with, but no encouragement. But to have a bit of sort of support network is what I kind of got now. And uh, like I alluded to there with the band, I mean, this guy who plays bass in the band, he, I mean, Apart from that, he's supposed to not smile and stand there looking completely bored being Bill Wymandy, you know, Bill Wyman in the band. Um, he keeps smiling. That's his main problem. But this guy plays, not only plays bass and is a fully competent reader, he plays piano, he plays cello, he plays everything, he plays violin even, and he can sing, and he's got perfect pitch, you know. So I've been blown away by proper musicians, and I've got proper songs to give them and to play, and with a bit of help from other people, I can sing them. Uh, so I'm just on that path now. So that gives me happiness, if you like. And I'd just like more time to do that and to feel like it's a bit and that I can afford to do that because, it, you know, you know, that's another depressing thing. I do not get why music is now so such a weird thing whereby music is free and, you know, oh, you're a musician. That's fun. That ain't work. So, you know, we'll just have it all for free now. And I don't like the way it's going. Like, you've got to film your own concerts at home and people have got to pay to view you on fucking telly or whatever it is, you know, your own fucking... I just find it also teachers are much better in the old days, you know, get a record company. I mean, maybe, you know, obviously people who want to be obsessed by everything and want to be in charge and love pressing all the buttons, then fine for them. But you ain't making hardly any money unless you're bloody, you know, Ed Sheeran or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. It all seems to, you know... Obviously, there were bad sides to that. Lots of money got spent the wrong way and people lived the life they shouldn't have lived and wrote crap albums as a result, etc. You know, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm very ranty today. So if Jess ever hears this, she'll say, oh, you shouldn't have said that. 
when I was trying to make music, I when I was yeah. doing it, I was trying to yeah, I was trying to be successful, like you know, have a profile so that I could make money out of it. And I sort of think, in retrospect, that was probably the wrong attitude to have because I didn't enjoy it as much as I could. And I found that I enjoy making in the few in the in the sparse moments that I have to do music these days, like to you know sing a song or whatever. I enjoy that far more than I ever did when I was in a rehearsal studio with the band. As much as fun as it was, it was always like this rat race to try and you know take a piece of the pie rather than just enjoy the music for music's sake yeah well it is a job but it's like yeah. you know that's, so that's why people i called your band a cover band and you called it a tribute band so you didn't do it to make money then you did it because as an homage to your your, your the legends the rolling stones yeah well yeah and as i said i did grow up i mean i didn't grow up sort, sort of you know completely steeped in it but i was like you know in our little you know closeted uh uh cave that i lived in as a child i just looked at the photos and listened to the albums that i had and i've just always had this sort of strange fascination because i grew up in the 60s for looking back at the 60s thinking what would it be like to be in that world and to be you know whatever and then when i got the chance to dress up and pretend to be something i seemed to fit into that role very well and i enjoyed it and i thought well you don't need to deal with record companies you don't need to deal with you know all you got to do is pretend to be you know and that that seemed like a nice way to make your living. You know, I'll just go and buy jewellery wherever we go around the world, you know, and we went to, you know, the first gig with, this wasn't with the band that I've got now because we kind of fell out with the other band because the path they wanted to do was pure comedy and um, they wanted to be big, making lots of money and, uh, you know, not attuned to the finer details that when I was in that band, I was the guy who supposedly was into, into most of the details of stuff or whatever. But compared to the people that I met with the band I got now, that was nothing. You know, I didn't know nothing, you know. So this band that I've created now is far more in tune with all the details and looking, making it look perfect and sound perfect. The right amps, the right this, the right that. And we've we've sort of developed into the characters that we pretend to be for good or for worse you know some people could be better at this and i could be better at that but you know it, it's a it's like a it's like a what do you call it a show it's not just playing songs we dress up and we perform you know i pretend to be completely out of it and i come back as an angel you know uh from heaven now charlie's died obviously he could come down as an angel but it's a bit hard having angel wings while you're playing drums i don't know but yeah it's something it's it, it, it's something that i've kind of felt quite attuned to and i got a bit depressed about it because when i left the other band and i started this band i realized that the slog of running a band but i haven't said that that's all changed now because you don't send out posters you don't need to send out flyers anymore you know i used to run to get the fucking posts so that I could send out these posters. And I, I found organising a band a total nightmare till I got help with it, you know, and it was, you know, and getting it all together. The clouds didn't look like cotton. They didn't even look like clouds. I was underneath the weather. My friends looked like a crowd. The swimming hole was full of rum. I tried to find out why. All I learned was this, my friend. Driver's sake, 
Like we did this lovely wedding last night and uh, next week we've got a big Thursday and Saturday and um, you know the people in the band makes a lot of difference having a new bass player he blows my mind like we, we did just he's a rock star for the first time it's appalling because he didn't you know he didn't I said to him just start with the chorus do a little bit in there and then stick with the chorus no no he's going off oh, I met her in Trafalgar <laughs> Square and all that it's like you know it's a wedding they're all drunk just fucking sing you know what I mean anyway I enjoy all that you know what I mean you know they won't know the difference yeah, you know, we've never played it before. I've told the groom that we've never played it before. We'll do our best, you know. <laughs> anyway. anyway. Uh, but, but so, so you play sort of two, once, twice, three times a week sometimes. Well, now we are. It, all, it came to a grinding halt for 18 months. And now, yeah, I mean, we went, we, we went, just so you hear this, we went from like, you know, nothing to suddenly that all these dates came in. And the first date, we did. We drove up to Manchester, played this festival where nobody's wearing a mask. And I, I encountered more people walking to the bar to get my free couple of drinks than I had in the last year and a half. You know, nobody wearing masks, everyone's sweating, everybody queuing, nobody keeping the distance. Wow. And I thought, fucking hell, you know, I thought, oh, my God, what, what is this? Because I'm, as you alluded to, I don't even want to get your cough. You know what I mean? Anybody who comes in with a red nose, I'm like, are you ill? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Crazy. So, um, but, you've just uh, been seen, like, is that you've, you've been called now? You, I no, can, not, I can keep, right. We're all good. Was it a relief when? Was it a nice feeling when you started again? Not really, because uh, we were so rusty and we're rubbish. We didn't really. Um... <laughs> so isn't it just Actually, muscle, muscle, there, isn't it muscle memory? Yeah. Isn't it just muscle memory? Well, oh, yeah, all that. Memory. But we were rusty and we were like one man down. Like I said, his hand. So one guy was down, so I had to do all these solos. And plus, I've just remembered that was wrong, actually. That was the second gig. The first gig we did was supporting the Bootleg Beatles. You know, you've mm, heard of them. Of course, yeah. And yeah, and uh, we've played with them before. I did a whole tour of Japan with them um, when I was in the other lot. But um, w w with the, the Bootlegs, they just blew me away. When I saw what their sound was in the changing and the way they were rehearsing, it just sounded certainly can't we do that please you know but you know no so we were quite ropey that night but you know that's a, but it was lovely to see neil i mean you know i've known him a long time and he's a very talented man and he's now got all young people involved you know playing you know he's no longer on stage neil now so that you you might look at me and say oh you're 60 years old and you're playing somebody who died when he was 27 how's that going to work you know <laughs> but for the moment you know madness um yeah. But but you uh, but you it's a positive thing in your life that you love it right in general. 
yeah, yeah, as long as everybody's getting on and there's no bit. Bands are very bitchy, aren't they? Yeah. And I'm one of the biggest bitches in the band and having got rid of what I won't mention <laughs> At least you're self-aware. At least you're self-aware. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, yeah, well, yeah. So, yeah. As long as everybody, you know, I just enjoy it. You know, I'd rather be in a changing room. I mean, here's an example. Like, we played last night at a sort of, it's, it's like a cocktail bar and it's a lovely place I'd like to go there on a night out. Um, and they've got a lovely stage, you know, it all looks lovely, small stage. I mean, how, how we all got on it, I don't know, but it's a small stage. And they had a keyboard player um, who used to play with us, who's now quite big in London. And he, when he was with us, he was playing his keyboard nonstop. So now I don't want to listen to him. I'm sick to death of his music, you know what I mean? So I'm like, you know, uh, I'm very aware of like not driving everybody nuts with your music. You know what I mean? Maybe to the point of my own detriment, but I won't sit there singing a song if I feel it's going to make you uncomfortable. So I'd rather go off somewhere. You see what I mean? There's all that element. But if you really want it, you should just fuck everyone else and just sing, you know, Absolutely. or just do what you want. And feel I know, but, in your own voice. Yeah, I know, I know, but I'm not like that. So I'm trying to get the balance right where I can actually feel comfortable being myself. Like my brother's always saying, why are you always putting yourself down? And I'm trying not to, but I don't feel, I feel like that's, isn't that humbleness? It, Why is, is it? Humility, self-deprecation, yeah, absolutely. But you know what I think also? I think that, you know, again, it's very easy to, for me to, to talk about this from a point of such privilege, because I, I do feel very privileged, but I also think that it is, that my outlook is has always held me in good stead. I've always had a positive outlook. And I think that, yeah. I think that, that I think, parent? um, my dad was a very, very positive person. Yeah, very happy-go-lucky person. My mother, more, more of a warrior. But um, I think that um, I think outlook is just so much more important than circumstance. And I think that is the most important, one of the most important lessons in life. Like just to remind yourself every day of you know your choice to be happy, basically, or your choice to feel positive, because of, for example, think about like when you are ill and you and you suffer and you think, oh my god, I hate this pain, I hate this issue, I'm gonna feel so much better when I'm out of it. But when you are when you are healthy, when you don't have any physical pain, you get complacent with that so quickly. So you forget you can be miserable and you forget that actually you're per you're you're able bodied and you're completely healthy. And that in itself is something I believe to just to cherish every day. And I know it sounds really trite, but I think just little things like that can make you happy in your life by just reminding yourselves of yourself of the things that you have rather than the things that you don't have because I think it's the human condition to want what you haven't got and I think that's why so many people are, are, are unhappy in life because they want something they haven't got but then when they get it they just want something else because that is the human condition to want what you haven't got so it doesn't matter what you have got and what you haven't got you're going to want something else and when you get it you're not going to want it as much you it's just so it's just so important just to appreciate. And you were talking about, you know, appreciating the present and stuff like that. Like, when, yeah, that's, that's what I was saying. Yeah, when you think about, about the past, when you think about the past, like you obviously, you, you said, I need to think about the present. But when you think about that, what is it about the past that, that makes you feel like you wish you were in it? Is it just nostalgia? Or do you actually oh, no, think not, your I'm, previous life I'm not, is I'm better? Not, I'm not, I, don't, I don't wish I was in the past. I mean, I wish I was in a different world as in the whole world was still in the past. But when I look back on the past, I'm purely looking back to see how I reacted to things and think, oh yeah, well, you Could know, whatever. Mm. In a very black and white, short way of saying it, I, I completely took the side of, oh, I'm going to be a wizard. I don't want to listen to my dad. Whatever my dad represents is nothing to do with me. I'm nothing to do with my dad. I'm purely this wizard who's going to be a wizard who's going to take over the world. I've got a record deal like that 
because I went to film school. I'm going to be a wizard. Everything's going to be fantastic. And then crash, you realize that actually, maybe you're not going to be a wizard, you know, and your definition of wizard might have changed by now, but you know, whatever it is. No, 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 seriously. So I think part of, uh, part of, part there of. There's such a song part, there, Michelle. There's such a song no, no, there about part, wanting part, to be a wizard. Yeah, but part of the problem is uh, if you're constantly told that life is, you know, when I, you know, to be a bit somber, when I was uh, looking at my dying mum who spent two weeks gradually getting worse and worse with different things sticking out of her after they, you know, abused her, um, I said to her, look, because she was so positive, she, life was wonderful, you know, life was wonderful, you know, and she'd been through the war, you know, she thought the Nazis were going to get her as she went into Geneva through the forest, and when she heard voices, it was like, fuck, it's the Nazis, but luckily they were Swiss Germans, so her life was saved, you know. So she'd been through the war, and living opposite in Hampstead, where we were, there was a lady who, uh, anyway, without going into that, she'd lived through the war as well. She was also somebody who'd got inoculated and was made a paraplegic, so she couldn't walk wow. anymore as a result, and lost her life. So she had a tragic life, but anyway, they both went through this experience where literally you didn't know where you were going to live or die or what eating and the whole world was turned upside down and my mum was the most positive person she always loved britain she loved everything about hippies she loved everything so she encouraged and i'm not having a go at her here because obviously that's what she did but then on the other side i had my dad who i just i don't want to know about negative stuff i don't want to know about money i don't want to know about blah 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 so you know i think part of being a parent because you're a parent now is to somehow get the balance right where you know you don't create this thing where the world is always going to work out perfectly you right. have to balance the thing whereby you know that that actually things are going to go wrong pretty much all the time and just exactly your point that you just said it's how you react to the things that go wrong that are key to how you learn all go down you know because i've always said i you know i'll be the worst person to be in the war with i'd be the worst person in any kind of thing because i just go down with the ship you know if the ship's going down i'm dancing on it you know to make it go down further and that's been my natural reaction so that's what to answer your question of looking back i look back and i think oh i must stop doing that you know don't don't think like that so that and that brings you back to this positive thing but and don't let things like you know the fact that everybody wants to kill animals all day long and it's horrible living in this world with people doing all this stuff all around you to somehow just still feel happy about it so mm. which comes back to my point about you know if i was protected in this little victorian villa where you know uh you know they'd bring me lovely vegan food and nice musicians to play with and they you know send me to bed at the right time i'd be very happy because i wouldn't know about all this shit i could imagine you know, having like a little sort of frilly collar yeah yeah i'd dress as a woman i've always wanted to be a woman i'd say <laughs> oh he wants to be a woman you know that's You've another always thing to be a woman. You've always I've always wanted, to be... wanted to be a woman, always wanted to be a woman. And wow. I, I read about things now where, you know, I can remember telling my parents were dead worried about that. Right. So here's an interesting for, thing for you. You know, my mum that I just mentioned, she said to me one day, I'd rather you were a heroin addict than gay. Because the way that they'd grown up, not not because she thought gays were particularly, you know, but the the, the terror that they lived under when it was illegal mm. and frowned upon. She, her friend Jacques was the hairdresser and he was gay and he'd had lots of stress being a gay. So in that culture, it was like, oh, my God. So they were really yeah. pleased when I got a girlfriend. And my first girlfriend was like, oh, let's go out and celebrate, you know. He's got. He's not gay. Hallelujah. But you know, I've always wanted. So even though I had a girlfriend, I still went out and bought stilettos. I still went up and sneaked into Jenny's room upstairs, put her corset on, and but it, it took a, not too long to realise you look a little bit too close to 
you know, uh, Rocky Horror Show. It looks like a man wearing weird clothes. And I just knocked it on the head right then, you know. So, you know, I went to school with makeup on, you know. I knew which teachers would allow me to wear makeup. You know, Mr. Ireland's history class was not one of them. So, you know, you know, and at school, I actually broke somebody's nose at school. I've forgotten his name, but nobody, my parents never knew. It was just the 70s. It was weird, isn't it? The 70s. I broke somebody's nose because he was making fun of me wearing makeup. Wow. Do you think it was a more liberal time in the 70s or do you think it's, I mean, from what you've just explained in that scenario, like it, it was a pretty... Well, it certainly was very un-PC. I mean, you know, for example, just to give you another little funny story, the school that I went to, where you left at the age of 13, um, one of the sixth form hobbies was wine tasting. <laughs> Seriously. It. So so you'd have, you'd have um, you know, how old were we? You know, the oldest would have been 13, rolling into the headmaster's study, right, um, with wine bottles, there'd be baguettes there and cheese. So they'd be having a like, you know, at half past three, I think school finished at quarter past four or whatever. So the last lesson was hobbies. I'd be upstairs doing guitar, trying to learn how to play a D chord. And this guy's downstairs stuffing sort of, you know, borsa, um, not, but, you know, all quality cheese from Hampstead, charcuterie or whatever it is. And, and you know, having wine. And so all the teachers would flood in there. It was completely, you know, in the 70s, the, 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 um, the smoke coming out of the, the, you know, the staff room, the teacher's room, it was like, it's like, I feel like the headmaster used to smoke in class. You know, he used to smoke unfiltered gauzes, and it would puff out of his beautiful beard. You know, it was like a whole different time. Don't call me darling, darling, darling. In the letterbox, I found your bra in the 
just given up on you lot. You know, when I say you lot, I mean Americans, yeah. because I just uh, I got really into it, and I was very emotional about Joe Biden winning. And I've even got a picture of Kamala Harris up there on my fridge there. Yeah, that was a good time. That was a really good time. Well, it was just a big hope and it's all going so wrong, it would seem. You know, well, it seems like I wouldn't all... say so wrong. I think it would have gone a lot worse if Trump had stayed in power. Do you know what I mean? I think oh, that yeah, was a real turning anyway, point. Yeah, but it, it, uh, the little bits where I read his name, I'll only read a little bit. It sounds like he's still start planning to mess things up. And it's just like, oh. you know, why... Huh? He's, the most, he's the most powerful guy in the Republican Party. He's still the leader of the Republican Party, unofficially. You know, so that's a worry, isn't it? If he comes back, that's it. You've got all that crap again. I just can't believe it. Only in America. I mean, what is good about UK is that he would have been a thoroughly disgraced politician in the UK by now. And there's no way he'd have got back to a seat of yeah. power. But it's eminently possible that, you know, if the Republicans win the next election, then it's a very good chance that Donald Trump would be. But, you know, he's got everybody coming after him for his tax affairs, for his finances, for so many things. The fact that he's even remotely, it's remotely possible that he could get back in, into the presidency. Doesn't that make you want to come back home? No? I, don't, I definitely I definitely won't be staying in America forever, but I think every country has good and bad bits, you know. And again, it's about your outlook, whether you whether you decide to pick out the amazing, joyful parts of America, of which there are so many, um, yeah. or, or whether you choose to focus. And you know what I also think, um, and it's something that, uh, it's, a, it's an idea which has been sort of solidifying over time, although I try and remain flexible with my ideas in general, but I do believe that um, we can use... Uh, slagging off politicians as an excuse for our own inactivity. So we can say, oh, Trump is an, an absolute asshole. The reason why the world is so wrong is because of Trump. And so I can, what can I possibly do about it? But I think we can take more. What we can do is take responsibility for ourselves and the way that we live our lives. You know, so I can be a, well, the only thing I have control over is I can be a better human being. I can be a bit greener i can be a little bit more loving i can be a bit more empathetic i can listen better i can understand more i could be more socially conscious you know they're things that i can change i can't change the way that trump is and by slagging him off that doesn't justify my inactivity in trying to contribute to a better world do you know what i mean yeah but you'd do that anyway wouldn't you because you're a good person you don't you know, going back to the trump thing i mean it's just too depressing you know the whole thing is just so corrupt and you know, it's just like the food industry, everything. It's just all, you know, the model of the West is not great. It's obviously better than fucking China or, you know, whatever. But rather than what you said, I would say that it's there's no example. There's no good example. You know, there was a good example with Joe Biden, but it seems like things, I mean, I don't even read about it anymore. That's I don't even read about America anymore because I'm so depressed about you lot. Mm. You know, it's just it like is. you, you, you don't get it. And even even now that we've let, and don't get me going about Brexit because that's like you know I just want to kill people. You know, I'm an and, Irishman and it, now. I've got an Irish passport. Yeah, I, I don't saw, blame you. I, I wish I could be. Yeah, absolutely. I would like to, you know, it's just sickening. So the British you know, passport used to be one of the most, you know, it used to be one of the best passports you could possibly have in the world, and now it's just they've devalued the passport massively, haven't they, with Brexit? Yeah, well, the whole thing is just loony. So I, you know. I, if somebody showed a good good example, like there's a lady in English politics, but I've even heard people dissing her recently. You know, a lab, I've forgotten her. She's a Labour lady, and she called. Um, it's a bit like your point that you just made. She she called uh, Boris Johnson scum, and it was in the papers at the Labour conference. And I really like her. I think she's got the right instinct. So you just need people who you think 
you've lived and you've learned lessons that you know we need to have somebody like you because you're the right person for the job and give us some 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 kind of example to follow whereas all the example we've had forever is just this money 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 and if you got money you're okay if you ain't got money fuck you you know and it's like it's not changed. If you look back, you know, going back here we are, Victorian times, it's pretty much the same deal all the way along. You know, nothing seems to really change. You know, we're all a bit deluded. So yes, I could be happy with what I got because I'm a lot happier than, you know, I've got a lot more things to be happier than lots of people. But, you know, if you take on these burdens on, which you shouldn't, so just be oblivious. Don't think about these things. But I do. I don't know why, but I find it all annoying. You know, yeah. and that the people in power. You know, they should they should be giving us a good example. And the fact that half the world is going, you know, I'm very anti-religion. I hate religion. And I think the fact that half of America's a religious nutcase department is just as bad as the other lot on the other side. So I'll probably say things that would get me slaughtered now. But I just think if you're if you like football or you're into religion, you, you, you haven't grown up. You know, you, you like, you know, it's but isn't like, it okay? Isn't it okay for as long as you're not harming anybody else with your with your beliefs or with your well, I think hobbies. they are harming people. They are harming people. Mm. They're harming people in Texas now, and they're harming people, you know, all around the world, blowing people up. I know I was never into the IRA blowing anybody up, you know, but they did it on a smaller scale, and uh, you know. Lord knows what's happening now, you know, coming back to Brexit. It seems like, what was that all about? Now we're going to have a border again? You know, so it's like, you know, nobody seems to fucking learn, you know. Um, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but you're talking about, you know, all the war and stuff going on around the world. What do you think happens when we die? In your mind, do you have something, an idea of what happens? You know, what do you think happens on the other side? Is there another side? No. No, no, of course there's no other fucking side. No, there's no other side. <laughs> well, that's and that all... one sorted then. That's one yeah, of the yeah. life's big questions answered. Well, I can't believe, you know, let's face facts. It's not likely, is it? So, um, but obviously what lives on after with the people that are still around, you live as long as the people who, you know, and if you build a big statue with your name on it and you've got a tomb, like, you know, my, you know, my dog who was killed, she's in the Highgate Cemetery there with my mum and dad. So, you know, I've got a little slot waiting for me. So I'll be there if you want to come and see me. I'll have my name there. So that's where I'll live as a name, as a little inscription with my dog. Nice, nice. And what type of dog did you have? You met a Ruby. Ruby, of course, yeah. I maybe I met you. Maybe I... Did you... No, no, I, met, I can't remember. My no. brain's too fogged when, with smokers. When I, don't know. when I first met you... I met you, you, we didn't have a Ruby. No, she'd already been killed, That's I think. That's right. And it was a cross that you were bearing at the time. It was fairly, fairly... Oh, I had to be a therapist. Yeah, she was like my child, you know. Mm. It's like, oh, my God, I had to go to therapy. I even, you know, bloody hell. Oh, oh, so that brings us back to our point of going down with the ship and and this thing of how you react to things so exactly. my reaction going back to my mum there and to my dog i said to my mum look if you make it through this i promise i'll be the most positive person in the world i believe you i believe you and she didn't so in my negative way i sort of thought well you know uh right that gives me the right to be the most negative fucker ever and I proceeded. And then the same thing happened with my dog. You know, they tried to feed my dog. They punctured her stomach and she's dead overnight. And bang, you know, I just, you know, that was the center of my life, my dog. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that's very arbitrary, but it was, you know, and I'm not sure. My friend Lloyd said, well, that's one of the best things you'll ever do when I got my uh, dog. And um, I mean, it's taught me a lot, you know, yeah. And you've got kids now, it's a similar sort of thing, but obviously kids are deeper. But... Yeah, totally. but dogs and animals survive in your fantasies because they, they, you know, they never talk back. They've never, you know, they might have pooed in the wrong place or 
whatever but they're, they're, they're always you know you, you you think their thoughts for them you know to, to the point where you might have got it wrong where they've bitten you where you thought they were a nice guy but she's actually bitten your hand and so like you know whatever <laughs> i'd like to think that you know i will celebrate rapper's life after rapper but i i, I know exactly yeah. what you're saying you get so close to your dogs well if it's cut off short it's hard like my cat she died in the garden i was only calling her all night and she was found by somebody else thank god in the garden she just went off and died so she made it so easy for me because you know hmm. so yeah i mean dealing with death i'm now more uh, able to deal with death what's the strangest thing you've ever seen strangest thing i've ever seen mm. have you ever seen anything that defies logic defies reason i mean in your time as a as a uh, aspiring wizard did you see any or create any magic well yeah while i was under the impression that i was a wizard i saw a lot of what i thought was magic you know um but I was just dreaming and just, you know, like when I when I was 13, right, my friend uh, Steve Reitman and Michael Rose, their parents were quite switched on, you know, so they thought, oh, these guys are learning uh, French. Why don't they go and spend a month in the mountains at a French camp, you know, to get good with French? And obviously, because mum was French, I was fluent in French. Uh, so I went along and I had long hair because, you know, I went to that school where, you know, not only could you go to wine tasting hobby, but you had letters from the headmaster saying, do not cut his hair because he's doing theatre and all that. So I turned up there and I had a month of being David Cassidy for the first time in my life. You know, I had three girlfriends and I discovered kissing. I discovered, you know, so for me, that was being a wizard. Right. <laughs> you know, Michael Rose, when, when we arrived, you know, I'd long, all the way there, right, from Paris to the mountains, I was being chatted up by this kid who was convinced that I was a girl and I kind of liked it, you know, because I wanted to be a girl, you know, but then, you know, I also enjoyed being a boy when I discovered kissing the girls, you know, it was like, you know, so yeah, that was magical for me, but I wouldn't say that's the most, I don't know, yeah, without, and, you know, for example, like one scene that I always remember is like, yeah, I mean, it was, it was the 70s, isn't it? We were completely, you know, in the mountains. I could have slept with, nobody got pregnant in our lot, but other lots did, you know what I mean? And we were just left in tents up in the mountains, you know, middle that's of nowhere. That's amazing. You know, like one, one time they all left me alone with Ellen, who I was heading towards, you know, here. And I'd never kissed anybody before, you know, so everybody left me in this tent with Ellen and I kissed her three times and left to tell Michael and Stephen about it. You know, and then in the morning I woke up and everybody was asleep in their tents and I went to get the food tent and I picked up some lettuce that had some dew on it. And so to, to me, that was magical. You know, that was magic. And also that, that one night I remember being in the tent and I'd had a bit too much of like we'd, we'd squirt this milk into our you know, concentrated milk because we could buy what we want. You know, we were 13 year old kids. We'd take them to the shop, buy cigarettes, buy whatever you want, you know. And so I'd be sitting there in the tent smoking, you know, pouring concentrated milk, surrounded by girls. You know, and we'd spend the night in, in the tent and she'd be on my stomach, you know, sleep her head on my stomach and it'd start raining and and we're on the top of a mountain and it's, it's like a flood, you know, it's like a river suddenly, our tent's in a river and we're one of like, say, five tents, you know, and we're just holding the tent up so that the water doesn't come in the tent with all these, you know, girls, you know. It was a fantastic, magical time. So I suppose that's as close as I got to being a wizard. But that was at the age of 13 and it's been downhill ever since, you know. Amazing. That's absolutely... A lightning storm, <laughs> lightning storm, you know, everything in the mountains. So clash, clash, you know, explosions. Even that, thunder. even you saying it's been downhill ever since, you're creating that narrative for yourself. 
Yeah, well, you see, uh, you know, I know, I know. So I've got to learn. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm just using that as a sort of comic example of like, you know, that's the way I see it. Yeah. That was the highlight of my life. It sounds amazing. Really. It sounds absolutely amazing. And the it, other was, it was, it was. So you thing... expected quite a lot of life after that and it got to be a bit of a drudge, really. Yeah, it didn't but quite it's... work out. But there's good you know, bits and bad bits, isn't there? There's yeah. good bits and bad bits. It, it is what it, it just is what it is. And, you know, and you can receive life and each day as you decide to, I believe. You have, probably have more control over that than we think in terms of how you perceive and receive life. The other question I was going to ask you was, um, what's it, what's the, your favourite song that you've ever written? That I've written? Yeah. Well, I, I haven't written many songs, uh, but I'm very proud of that Darling, Darling. I don't know if you got that one, but I really like that one. And that was that set off by my ex-wife you know because my mum called my dad darling all through and so I called my dad darling even when I was an adult if I kissed him good night I'd say good night darling and so darling has been a bit of a Tourette's thing with me so I call people darling all the time you know and I said to my osteopath I said you know I, and I touch people all the time I've got to stop doing that with this COVID thing but I call people darling and she said oh no it's lovely don't worry it's not it's not creepy you know in an old man sort of way. So now I've sort of let rip with darling, everything's darling. But going back to the song, my girl, my wife said to me, don't call me darling, you know, because we were going, you know, she was there to talk through the divorce thing and all that. So, you know, that um, that's the best one so far, but there's two others that are coming up, but I can't play it. So I'll wait till they're recorded. And they're, they're very good as well. I'm pleased with the lyrics, like I said, one's ranting against this phone life that we all seem to have lived with, you know, or living with. So maybe people will hate that one. I don't know. But it's, How long it's not do we have like... to wait? How long do we have to wait for those songs? Well, I've got this studio. So it depends. How I, I'm trying to get it together, but I don't know, a couple of months, maybe. I find, maybe it, I find it strange that as, as a songwriter, you've never referred back to your time wanting to be a wizard because, I mean, what an amazing song that would be, surely. Well, you know, when I got, like I told you, when I got a record deal, I didn't know, I didn't know nothing. When I went sort of hitchhiking and went off to Greece and lived in a cave in Greece and slept on the beach with my guitar and, you know, found that people would like me playing it, I could only play three songs. You know, when I was busking in Rome... What were the I three songs? Play... What were the three songs? Do you know, I really can't... Well, I think two of them were mine. OK. And, wh and how long did you stay for... How long did you decide to stay in a cave in Greece for? It's all this incredible... We were there. We, we, and it, funnily enough, it's and I just watched this thing the other night, but with Joni, it's it's a place in Crete called Matala. Okay. And she's written a song called uh, Carrie that's about her time in Matala. Joni Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. One of my on very favourite artists. I know, absolutely, mine too. And I cry a lot when I listen to it. But anyway, because it's got a connection with that as well. Because in that time there, I knew that she'd been there, but I didn't realise it was in fucking Matala where I was, you know. Amazing. And, um, Why did you end up there? Why did you go there? Because I just, it was my first sort of getting away on a holiday on my own and I went to Greece. You literally went on your own? Yeah. And why did you stay in a cave? Because that's where we ended up. We were very lucky. You don't just get a cave like that, mate. I had to sleep <laughs> on a night. You turn up. I was completely drifting, you know, drifting along. And I, I I turn up and it's like, where where should I go? You look at somebody and ask them. You think, well, you might look like somebody who might have the same ideas as me. Oh, go to this nude beach, Como Beach. So you go to Como Beach, you wake up with fucking toilet paper, you know, coming next to your sleeping bag. You think, not sure about, you know, play frisbee naked in the sea and think, oh, I'm not sure about my willy in the sea here. And <laughs> decide to go further down the road to Matala, where it's like there's all these caves, you know. But obviously, if you're in a cave, 
that hasn't got a door on it you don't you know it's like a dubious purpose most of the time so I was lucky enough after a while of sleeping on the beach there and getting used to the people around I got given the key to a cave wow. you know so all the hippies passed this key round, you know to trustable hippies or whatever you know because it was that's what happened so I was lucky and you'd like on your way up to the cave you'd take your bottles of water that you'd fill up on the way up and in the morning you'd have a hot shower from the water being sort of heated up outside your cave you know amazing another of, amazing of, memory of life right yeah, but that was in Matala where Carrie, so when she sings, uh, they're playing that scratchy rock and roll beneath the Matala moon, it like resonates with me because I was there, you know, mm. and I went back a year after because uh, I couldn't go to America because my girlfriend's dad wouldn't let us go to America, but we were allowed to go to Greece. So we went back to exactly the same spot. But it wasn't the same deal being with your girlfriend. Well, yeah, right. Completely different. <laughs> I know that you obviously feel like you've got quite a lot of shortcomings, but I think I focus completely on the all I see, which is just positive stuff, which is how kind and gentle and lovely a person you are and also a very talented musician. Well, thanks for saying that. I'm beginning to slightly believe that. I, I'm pleased that I've written a few things that I really like recently. I've just got to learn how to sing them and get with other people who help me sing them. That's the thing. You know, it's tricky with music, isn't it? I need the entire back catalogue and all the songs you're ever going to make in future because I love them. It's been such a pleasure, my friend. Such an incredible pleasure. And I will be in touch with you very soon. Yeah? Okay, well, it's lovely. I love you. Yeah, it was lovely. I love you too. And give my love to your wife and kiss Riff Raff and Ziggy as well. And... The Natural High. Let's give space on Twitter at Natural High Club or go straight to the website thenaturalhighclub.com yeah.